Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers. I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like y'all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions. Hey guys, Tony Schiavone. Need to call a timeout real quick. Wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling what happened when listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com. An all-new edition of The Insiders is here as Conrad sits down with former WWE exec John Filippelli, who discusses his transition from the world of sports to pro wrestling and his ultimate transition out of the company. Every take was getting worse than the one before. I said, you got to stop. You got to stop this. You got to calm down. Stop. Calm down. Stop yelling at people. Take it easy. Tell them exactly what you want and we'll get through it. Which is, I have done a hundred times since and I would do a hundred times more. Yes. But that was Vince McMahon and you don't do that to Vince McMahon, particularly in front or around other people. people. Yeah. Was, that was my mistake. I mean, if you want to call it a mistake, although I would do it, I've done it since and I would do it again. Referee Nick Patrick is answering your questions every other Monday on our new mailbag series. When Holland Nash was there, you know, he was a great worker, so they could eat at psychology. But they were cool. And a lot of people liked them, you know? They yeah, were selling merch, you know? And, and, and Hogan had heat. He turned, he had actually more heat than them, you know? They had heat, but a lot of people liked it because they were cool. I was like the only real character that they was calling in the other time that everybody hated. You know, like, yeah, everybody wanted to see me get <laughs> so it worked. You know, they had, you know, so they had that. Yeah, and uh, so it worked, you know? Tony and Conrad have taken their shenanigans in front of a live studio audience as they sat down live with Ad Free Shows members. Hey, um, did you ever uh, pet Jake's snake? No, never did. I had a chance to in Chicago, but it was it was way too big and out of my league. Mm. What's the right size snake for you? Uh, one that just coils up and leaves me alone. Yeah. Have you ever orange to Cassidy before? Orange to Cassidy? Yeah. Or would that be with the... With one of those juicers, the juice machine, or you just squeeze it until all the juice comes out of it. It runs down your leg or his leg. You gotta, you, gotta be, you gotta be specific here with your dumbass questions here, Cassio. That's just a small taste of what we got waiting for you with four levels to choose from. See for yourself. 
by ad-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com. As an adult, don't we all miss spring break? Nothing like taking a week off from all your responsibilities. Well, here's the next best thing for adults, a spring break from house payments. Savewithconrad.com can help you get rid of all your credit card debt, just like that. We're routinely helping our listeners save five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this, but check this out. No house payments for two months at savewithconrad.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to my world. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer, your friend and mine, Double J, Jeff Jarrett, who's not here today. Hopefully, a lot of you saw, but I'm sure by now most of you heard that Jeff Jarrett was unsuccessful in his quest for tag team gold this past Sunday night with Jay Lethal at AEW Revolution in San Francisco. And wouldn't you know it, they're doing TV on the West Coast, too. So unfortunately we had to call an audible for our taping schedule, but we've still got brand new content. You've probably never heard before. You see each and every month, ever since the beginning of adfreeshows.com, we crank out one piece of bonus content for every host that participates. So what we're going to do today is let you hear some stuff you've probably never heard before, unless you're already a member at adfreeshows.com. And if you're not a member, what are you waiting on? We're going to let you have one week on us. That's right. It's a free trial at adfreeshows.com. You can see what all the fuss is about, but realistically it's the best value in wrestling that I know of, because you not only get to interact with the hosts every week, if you're a part of our live studio audience, but there's an additional piece of bonus content for every single show that participates. You get more than a dozen wrestling podcasts. That means more than a dozen pieces of bonus content all commercial free early and ad free, where you even get to be a member of the live studio audience. Most of the time for just nine bucks a month, come on now, check it out. It's adfreeshows.com, but we have got a treat for you. We're going to be bouncing all over the place, talking about all kinds of wacky behind the scenes moments that we've never talked about here on the main feed. But now's your chance to check it out. If you like what you hear, go check out adfreeshows.com. That's where you'll see our new Monday mailbag project with Nick Patrick. You've been hearing from Mike Kyoto over there, all the behind the scenes stories from the third guy in the ring. We had that for the WWE since the beginning. Now we've got Nick Patrick and buddy, him and Mike Kyoto have stories for days that you've never heard before. Speaking of never heard before, there's lots of great content from the insiders of professional wrestling. Have you heard the name John Filippelli? Yeah, that's right. That's the guy that fired Bruce Pritchard and became the executive producer of WWE. He's the guy who hired David Sahadi, who made all those fabulous videos that we fell in love with back in the attitude era, actually the new generation era too. Anyway, we sat down with John Filippelli, a very rare appearance for him. We also managed to pin down, and I can't believe this is real Gary Juster. We talk about his name all the time, but when was the last time you heard a Gary Juster interview? All of this and more, including my new favorite thing we're working on. It's called the book. Each and every month we go back and we visit a moment in time during Jim Crockett promotions, fabulous run, the glorious year known as 1985. We go week by week, day by day, show by show, tell you the matches, tell you the towns, tell you the gates. You're going to learn about the behind the scenes of the business. This is Jim Crockett juniors personal quote unquote, red books. These were 
handwritten notes from JJ Dillon, who was the assistant to the genius creator known as dusty Rhodes. And this is the year where they're going to take back the TBS time slot from Vince McMahon. This is the year where they're really trying to expand and go national. This is the biggest year in Jim Crockett promotions history at that point. And we sit down and discuss it page by page, note by note, day by day with Jim's brother, who you saw on TV every week, a member of wrestling royalty, Mr. David Crockett. We also got some great conversations with Conrad up there, a long extended conversation with, unfortunately, he's no longer with us, Mr. Jim Crockett Jr. And of course, we talk about him a lot here on this program, Mr. Jerry Jarrett. So much extra content over there. You just can't shake a stick at it, including all five of our star casts. Every single panel show is there. Every discussion is there. All of the archives from the podcasts are there. They're all commercial free. It all starts at $9 a month. Go check it out right now. Get a free trial. Why not try it for free? But here's a little sample size of the bonus content that Jeff Jarrett is pushing out every single month at adfreeshows.com in a very exclusive, a very special edition today of my world. The recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hello and welcome, Ad-Free Shows family. I am beyond thrilled today to introduce to you the man with the number one podcast in all the land. That's right. It's Jeff Jarrett. Jeff, how you doing today, man? My friend, I'm, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. Uh, when you uh, gave me the opportunity to talk about Tony Falk, I jumped at the, I, I really, I'm excited to do it. You know, the Ad-Free family. Uh, we're rolling light along. I am uh, continue to be overwhelmed with the feedback from my world and the, the downloads and all the subscribers. We're rocking and rolling. I, I could not be uh, happier uh, with where we're at right now. Just uh, shoot less than 10 episodes in. But uh, Tony Falk is where it all started. So without Tony Falk, my world wouldn't be here today. I know that's a heavy statement, but come on now. Wouldn't it fair to say? It had to start somewhere, right? So it might, as well, it might as well be with Tony Falk. I mean, he's the man. And I think you and Conrad, you've been doing a great job with the podcast. Again, we said it's number one. And that's, that's shoot, that's real. You guys are crushing it. But one of the things that was promised along the way was, hey, we're going to do a bonus episode of where it all started for you, right? And uh, you were a referee. And, and Tony happened to be that guy uh, where you did, uh, you, you wrestled first. He ended up being your first televised match. Um, so let's get it. Let's get it going. I have a few things that I want to cover off with you before we jump into the match itself. Um, and, uh, you know, before we get started, let's talk about your progression. So you started as a referee, you went to wrestler when you started as a ref, you knew you were going to be a wrestler one day, right? That wasn't the end goal to be the next Earl Hebner, right? Uh, I don't think so, but you know, I was pulling the ring, uh, as we've talked offline, we have a common love of basketball and your beautiful bride right. has a common love. Uh, she's the athlete of the family, but that's a whole other conversation. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> no, but um, so, uh, you know, during the summers, uh, I, I played ball, I played basketball, but also on the weekends between camps and stuff like that, I would pull the ring uh, for wrestling shows. And so one night over in Arkansas, my dad said, you're reffing tonight. And that just sort of came out of the blue. And I'm like, because he, he knew, I knew it was coming. I just didn't know it was coming that night. So I had refereed 
before my junior year and before my senior year. Uh, so I've done the referee thing. And then as time sort of went along, um, it's pretty cool, Paul, how just things were navigated through because Tony Falk had come into the territory, obviously Bill Dundee and Buddy Lell, they were the top heels. But Tony on this sidetrack over there was quasi, you know, their lackey or would be in six-man tags. He was loosely associated with, with uh, Bill and, and, uh, uh, and Buddy. But he had this thing going, like a lot of people know Barry Horowitz had it going on. But different in the territory days, certain heels, especially on their way out, would start on a losing streak. And it's a simple way to keep heat on a heel that he's saying tonight, I am going to stop my losing streak because in sports, everybody can, you know, especially during the summertime when a, a baseball team will go on a seven game or an eight game or a nine game losing streak or something along those lines. So Tony Falk was the proverbial journeyman heel that was on this losing streak. And I was refereeing and got beat up, but what better way for him to notch his first victory than to take out the promoter's kid. And that's sort of the foundation uh, of the storyline as it relates, uh, you know, people who do know or don't know, whatever, Bill Dundee, the top heel, beat me up. And that was really the, the catalyst to bring Jerry Lawler back into the fold from a loser leave talent match. But it's a, sounds like a complicated storyline, but it wasn't. But uh, I know we're here to talk about Tony. So that that's, I'm probably giving you a little bit more, but I'm trying to set the stage. Sure. No, absolutely. So let's talk about you and wrestling again. Was your dad hesitant at all to let you train to wrestle? Was that an issue in your, in your family, your, you and your dad? No, you know, he had started so many different talent uh, and, and, you know, a lot of guys come in and um, matter of fact, he, he always, you know, this long-term training plan, he was never a fan of that. It's like, learn the basics and get in there and, and figure it out. And I sort of was, that was the scenario. I went from refereeing to, Hey man, you're going to have your first match. But also I, I didn't really drill down on it mentally then, but me just being around it and seeing so many matches and so many, I mean, whether it's the first match or the last match in, in, in the territory days, I had watched even at this point, a lot of live wrestling because I'd been to so many shows. I've, I've said this often through the years, I believe I've watched more wrestling live. I'd love to see somebody who, who's watched as much live wrestling. I've been blessed. So, uh, no, it was, uh, uh, he was always for, uh, get in there kid and let's give it a shot. Now, Tojo Yamamoto, who we did a watch along before, and he was involved outside of the ring on the x-ray we did with Tom Pritchard. He was one of the ones who actually, uh, trained you. What was he like as a trainer? And your dad helped out a little bit too, right? So Tojo, you know, the, the, the legend continued to grow. Tojo didn't get in the ring and teach me headlocks and takeovers and none of that. Tojo was a guy that always talked psychology and, and to put it in full context, Tojo was a legendary, not only heel, but babyface, And he was my dad's tag team partner. And he had taught my dad a lot about selling about the, that that's how you draw money. In candidly, that was the line that, that you can do all the moves. And he was never like, uh, I can't do an impersonation. I'm still not good on impersonations. And it's, it's tough to, you know, when you hang around the Bruce podcast, it's tough when you don't do impersonations, but Tojo in his broken English would talk, basically what he would say was Jeff, it's, it, it doesn't matter what kind of moves you do in the ring that, that I don't care. And he would say, I don't care if you can throw a great punch, a great drop kick, great hip toss. It doesn't matter. You have to know how to sell. But what 
what is so true about that is, is even all the way up to Vince McMahon, the money is in the emotion, the emotional connection. And that's what Tojo trained me on. The emotional connection with the fans that let the people see you hurting, whether it's your arm or your knee or whatever it is, show emotion, sell. That was what Tojo helped train me on. Um, there, there were a couple of other guys, but my dad showed me some basic headlock takeover, that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and actually, Tony Falk, as we're about to see, Tony was a guy that sort of took me somewhat under his wing, uh, whether he wanted to or not, and, and, and uh, had to tr teach me some of the basics. Well, listen, you're going to have to brush up on your impressions if you're ever going to make a cartoon with Swoggle, okay? So just start working on them. We had a little bit of fun catching up on those uh, a little while ago. Hey, listen, so you're a referee. You're close to the action. You're watching these guys grapple in the ring. Was there something you were told to focus on specifically, whether it be timing, transitions, footwork, etc., as you're you know, performing your function as a referee in the ring? Uh, you will relate to this. I didn't know what footwork meant in a, a professional wrestling context, but I damn sure knew what it was in basketball. Don't cross your feet up, slide. Yes. Uh, you, you have to, you know, as, as a defense playing, playing defense against offense, turn your opponent. So it's a dance without knowing it. Well, that was a huge blessing. And I, you, I've often said that over the years that amateur wrestlers and, 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 uh, football players, when they make the transition, the footwork's just not the same. I mean, Abyss used to joke about it, but basketball, there is that slides, you know, slide step, slide step. So, um, I, I was never coached up on footwork. The thing that I was coached up most on was they really wanted me two things to don't throw a punch unless you can throw a punch. Just, just don't do it. Do, do a forearm, do something else. That Don't do anything, quote unquote, phony, but also sell. When in doubt, sell, because you can gather your thoughts. You can gather your mentality. Uh, I was a young guy, small guy, wiry, you know, wasn't very big. Go, go to selling. And, and that is something that you, you can learn your ropes, uh, learn the ropes of, of the basics of a match. It's interesting that you said that as I watched this match preparing, I didn't realize how small you were at this point. When you say thin straight and wiry, you're not kidding, pal. Yeah, straight off the basketball court. I'd played in uh, college basketball, uh, the, the tournaments, you know, the season. I'd, I'd literally, obviously, running up and down the basketball court at 19 years of age. Uh, it's hard to put on weight when you don't lift weights and you're yeah. running all the time. So, yeah. Well, you figured out how to put weight on. You bulked up. I've seen you do it at G's, too, uh, the old fried chicken place. So you f definitely figured out how to do that. Let's talk about Dutch and Dundee at the time. They were originally booking for your dad as we continue to set the stage here. What were they like, in your opinion? You know, Bill, uh, I've had unique relationships with all of them. You know, Dutch was a huge part of the early days of TNA. You know, we worked together as, uh, uh, you know, at WWF. He was Uncle, Uncle Zeb. But in the territory days, Dutch was a booker for my father uh, off and on for years and, and had worked for him, you know, quite a bit. And there's a series of matches uh, between Jerry Lawler and Dutch Mantel that I'll put up against literally any, any, any real personal feud. It was such a phenomenal uh, series of matches. But um, so Dutch was a baby face at the time and Bill was the heel and, uh, had come back from Watts's territory and, and, and Kansas city and WCW and, and that whole run and everything. But, um, him and Lawler had the legendary feud over and over and over. And when, uh, Dundee, uh, 
took out the promoter's kid, me, Jeff Leonard at the time, not Jeff Jarrett. Uh, that was another thing. I went by Jeff Leonard. Ah, that's a nugget. Um, they didn't want to draw attention to that. So when Dundee, uh, yeah, when Dundee, that's my middle name. When Dundee took me out, it was a natural setup to bring the King Jerry Lawler back. Okay. So we've talked about it. We understand who trains you. You were doing refereeing. You were known as Jeff Leonard. You were thin and wiry. You start working out. You're getting trained. Now we understand who the bookers are. Let's talk about your opponent here. This first match. It's Tony Falk. We've talked about it a little bit. He lives in Memphis and uh, he's got many different characters and gimmicks. All right. At the time he was in the middle of a losing streak, as you mentioned at the top of the show, and he figured that an easy win would be against the much smaller scrawny referee known as Jeff Leonard at the time, who just happened to be the promoter's son. Now, Jeff, in my research, Tony's storyline wasn't always intended to end up with you being introduced against him, but it just happened to work out that way, didn't it? It did. And we've, our paths have crossed. I mean, Tony is in one of the vignettes uh, that we're going to cover on my world at the end of July, but he's in one of those original double J vignettes. He's the, he, he's driving the blue Cadillac in front of the Ryman auditorium. That's Tony. Tony's also yes. Tony back when boy George was hot. Uh, but this was loser Tony. And um, he, he was a guy that just, uh, thank God he was there uh, because we walked me right through it. But um, as I went from Jeff Leonard on a Saturday morning and got beat up uh, and ended up uh, having my first match uh, a, a week later or wherever it was uh, and became, Je you know, went by the name of Jeff Jarrett, um, me and Tony's first match at the Mid-South Coliseum, April or early April of 86, uh, it, I, I, to this day, I thought it was, it's really good. It's, it's a simple booking, but it's a simple, he didn't win, but I didn't win. We went to a 10 minute draw and, and it was such a fun match to work when I look back on it now, because at about the five or six minute mark of the match, when the Lance Russell, who also called the time, he would say five minutes gone, five minutes left to wrestle, six minutes gone, four minutes left to wrestle seven minutes gone three minutes and tony started responding to that so the people weren't really cheering for me to win they were literally cheering and standing on their feet for me not to lose and that is simple psychology that works so well and tony was getting more and more frustrated more and more frustrated so the the pops of the matches were me just kicking out uh and tony knew how to tell that story beautifully Power up for springtime with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Get nutritious, chef-prepared meals delivered straight to your door, leaving you both time and energy to take on everything on your to-do list. Look and feel your best in time for warmer weather with calorie-smart meals at around 550 calories or less. Maybe you're too busy to cook? Well, with Factor, you can skip the trip to the grocery store and skip the chopping, the prepping, and the cleaning up, too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Factor has delicious, flavor-packed meals ready to help you live your life to the fullest. You can choose from keto or vegan and veggie, calorie-smart, and almost like it was made for Jeff himself, they've got Protein Plus options on the menu every week. You see, these are all prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, so you know that each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. I should also mention there's 34 separate approved weekly options. When I say approved, I mean chef prepared, dietitian approved, but 34 weekly options? Come on. 
You're never going to get in some sort of a rut like we've all been in before. And they've got fun breakfast options like egg bites and smoothies. They've even got a snack supply with more than like 40 options. Come on. Maybe you're looking to cut back on takeout. Why not try factor instead? Not only is factor cheaper than takeout, but the meals are ready faster than restaurant delivery in under two minutes. So factor is going to help you save both time and money. And you know, because the dietitians are involved that every factor meal has all the ingredients you want and nothing you don't want. So get factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. You simply choose your meals and then enjoy fresh flavor packed meals delivered right to your door. Ready in just two minutes. Y'all no prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash my world and use the code my world 50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code my world 50 at factormeals.com slash my world to get 50% off your first box. Just capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good companies like bank of America, which just earned the just capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So listen, you mentioned there, first of all, we have some questions at the end of this. And one of the guys at the end mentions Tony Falk being your limo driver in the WWE uh, vignette. So there you go. Um, We've already mentioned that. Secondly, I don't want to brush over this. You were Jeff Leonard as a ref. You became Jeff Jarrett as a wrestler. Was there a lot of dialogue between you and your dad? Are you just like, hey, do I really want to assume the Jarrett last name as a pro wrestler with everyone kind of knowing you're pulling the strings? Was that a long conversation or just, no, I'm just going to be Jeff Jarrett? Authenticity of the storyline. When I got beat up, I was Jeff Leonard uh, on TV and at the spot shows and, you know, around the horn. It was never mentioned. But when they, when Dundee and Landell beat me up, Beating up Jeff Leonard is okay. For those who don't know, okay, a referee got beat up. Big deal. Right. Okay. Oh, wow. That's the promoter's kid. He didn't have to do that. Why? He's only 19 years old. He's in college. He's not even a part of a, you know, I mean, he's not even a full-time wrestler. Matter of fact, he's just a referee. He's not even had his first. Yeah. Doesn't carry as much weight to it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Good stuff. So the story is that, uh, that Tony was told we can't have another situation like Nick and George Goulas. What's the story behind Nick and George? Is that a mentality of having the promoter's son in the ring again, right? And and I have heard this story over and over through the years, and my father was just so adamant, the first word comes to my mind, is that he had an experience that um, – and it wasn't a good experience. Nick was the promoter, George, uh, um, what was the promoter's kid and, and, and rightly or wrongly. So, uh, George had the reputation of having a silver spoon that he didn't pay his dues and, and everything that went with that. Well, my dad went 
a 180 different direction. He made sure that he wasn't going to have that. And look, there, there, you know, I, I had to hear different stories. And there's at that time, you know, Greg Gagne was the son of a promoter. Uh, Dustin hadn't quite had his first match this time. That that happened a couple of years later. But there were, you know, Mike Graham uh, was a promoter's kid. Um, you know, the Crockett's kids were an- announcers. Uh, then you go into the Von Eric kids, oh, uh, yeah. promoter's kids. So you can just sort of see that that you know there were some bad experiences um, for multiple of reasons. But my dad had a personal relationship uh, because Nick Goulas is who my father. Uh, had worked for it one time and then he broke off and started his own promotion. And there was a lot of um, bad feelings, mixed feelings with George, you know, and other wrestlers about quote unquote being promoters kid. Well, there was something to it too, about keeping the belt kind of in the family. So you're not going to run off and leave, you know, at that time they would hope you wouldn't leave your dad or someone (laughs) stranded with the promotion, right? That came later. Yeah. Well, there you go. We'll save that for another watch along. Uh, how was Tony uh, to call the match with Jeff? Did you guys rehearse it a lot ahead of time? I know you said, we said at the top, this was the first televised. Did you rehearse a lot or did you have everything figured out? Did he call it in the ring? What was that like? Because you keep everything basic, no rehearsing, but talking through the, the basically the beats of it. But again, it's a different generation. Uh, late 80s, there were, you know, just not like it is today. It was talk it through. And this is what we're going to do. There, there wasn't rehearsals. And, you know, it was, I was in the business years before I quote unquote had a, had anything that resembled a, a, a true walkthrough rehearsal, lots of talk through, but not walkthrough rehearsal. All right, Jeff. Well, let's do this. Let's jump into it. We're going to start uh, the match. You and I both have a link and we're going to provide, uh, we're going to try to see if we can add this to our video feed when this is post-produced so that you can all watch it along with us. But Jeff and I are going to watch it here. Jeff, uh, let me know when you're ready. I'm ready. Um, And we're going to click play in three, two, you, you find it? You good? Ready. All right. Three, two, one, play. And there it is on the screen, Championship Wrestling, Tony Falk versus Jeff Jarrett. And you're in your little, you have your blue uh, ring jacket on. Here comes Tony in the robe, and uh, he's red, headed. White, blue. But as you can see, I wore short tights. Look, yes, you I did. I'm so new. I didn't even have knee pads on there, Paul. <laughs> you didn't. It's like the old Cody Rhodes look. Nothing, and that came. So this is like three weeks into my career, two or three weeks. You're still, you're still trying to purchase your gear for real. That's yeah. Those boots are not, those, those boots are my dad's boots. <laughs> and he's out here complaining. Cause I guess you guys had a match and in the contract, it said that it was one fall 20 minute match. And, uh, somehow the bell rang at 10, you had gone 10 minutes with him and he's and the bell rang. But because he wanted that first victory, simple storyline yep. reacted to it. The studio audience, Maybe 150 people in the audience. They they hate Tony, but it was it was good interplay. And and uh, there's Tony laying it out. And um, I love Tony. Uh, yeah, I, he was he was given the and he and originally and let's just say this, Jeff. We really wanted Tony to be a part of this, but I know he's got some health issues in his family, right? Family health issues, not Tony, but but his mother is is very yeah. So unfortunately, Tony, he couldn't uh, be here. Told me that when he uh, when he's able and and in the right uh, mind space. He cannot wait uh, to come join the ad-free team. I can't wait to do a Ask Tony Anything because he's got stories about Shawn Michaels, James nice. Storm. I mean, we could go on and on and on. And here's Bill Dundee and uh, Buddy Landell uh, as they come out and 
Landell's making sure he gets his flex in here. Um, so we're at, by the way, for those watching with us, this is late April, early May 86, right, Jeff, at the Mid-South Coliseum? Yep, early April uh, is when I had my very first match at Mid-South Coliseum. I want to say this is like two, maybe three Saturdays after uh, the, the original angle. But, um, oh, man, Buddy Landell, a heat magnet. Dundee Heat, uh, just just a, a different era. Uh, look at Dave Brown back there. You know, as as the years would roll along, Dave would take the lead. But at this point, he was Lance's uh, sidekick. Uh, and you know, uh, to put it in further context, Dave did the weather uh, every. Uh, he looks like a weather guy. He is. He's a weather guy. Monday, yeah. Friday, five and ten p.m. newscast. Uh, but um, wow, eighty six. <laughs> there's Dundee giving. Uh, uh, who's this? Help me with the guy with the sport coat and the glasses. Marlon and Billy Travis. And who else do we have out there? Oh, that's Dutch. Okay. Yep. Dutch. And is that Dr. That the blonde with the, is that Dr. D David Schultz? It looks like him in the oh, face. Maybe oh, not. Wake up. That is uh Billy Travis. That's Bill. Okay. Billy Travis. Cameraman just not getting out of the way. Uh, <laughs> doing what he's doing. Referee Jack, Jerry Calhoun, uh, long time is- Memphis referee. Um, uh, I wasn't getting, you got to remember, I wasn't getting Memphis wrestling as a kid. That wasn't coming up to the Northeast at all. Obviously. Billy's no longer with us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Buddy's passed away. Uh, but uh, Oh, man. How many cameras? We have two total here. So you, uh, yeah. So you have uh, three, actually. That, okay. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're in a new studio. Ah. You, I mean, you know, there's the WMC 1960 Union Avenue. Uh, it's it's basically uh, a building with two news studios, you know, and they do cooking shows and the news. Ah, shows. okay. And look at the over there when I when you see people all dressed uh, in, sort of in same t-shirts, there would be different clubs, uh, boys and girls clubs, yes. or whatever it is, ball teams. Uh, you know, it was like a Saturday outing. Uh, oh, and here we go. We're off and running. You're wearing your little uh, the baby blue tights there, and you said those boots are your dad's. Yes. What are we? One sixty-five. Oh, maybe. My goodness. How long has it been since you've watched this match, Jeff? I I mean, I don't know that I've ever watched this back. What what, what sort of shocked me? Did you just say this thing goes eight minutes? This total clip here, yeah. It, it this goes. We're already at four minutes, so okay. this is really quick. I was gonna say is yeah, and look me. Uh, early in my selling days, not, not very good, but, um, you know, so, and, uh, Tony walking me through the whole thing, but it is, it's gotta be easy working with uh, Tony Falk here to play babyface. Obviously he's a red hot heel on the mic there. The fans are going, the fans are popping for you big time. Yeah. Look, and he took the backdrop without me even tossing him over, but look at the people they're into it. Yeah, absolutely. Kids crew over there. Hell, half of them are waving just to get on TV. Was he, was he, was he stiff, or was he protecting you constantly the entire time? Um, Tony would always lay it in. He, 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 I mean, he, he, he wasn't considered stiff. But and do you see how the different camera? Oh um, yeah. It's the 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 white balance, and I know I'm getting in my production eye, but you know, that's a different look than the hard camera look, and it's it 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 goes with everything good and bad about studio wrestling. Look, no knee pads. I can't imagine getting yeah. going out with no knee pads. Look. I mean, there's not even a pad on the floor. No. <laughs> that was just part of the deal. Here you go. Sunset flip. 
Yeah, but we had to go outside for, for us to do this <gasps> finish. There it is. And that's the match. You win. Very simple. He beat me up. Paulie, as you saw, he beat me up the entire match. What, so so you're getting the, you're getting the shit beat out of you here at this point and you're you're let, you're on rubber band legs. What's going through your head though when this is over? Are you relieved, exhausted, excited? What's happening? Hey, uh, look, so they lock the door and there's Pat Rose, Tony Falk and Gaddafi. And 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 Bill and Buddy had no problem laying in on me. They actually oh, no. oh, you can tell. You can tell they're loving it. They, they they loved it, but all good. Um all good. But no, it was um you know, my old man would go tell him if you, if I see one phony punch on him, I'm going to be pissed off. So they didn't mind, you know, laying it in. And he's laying it in already cinched in the Boston crab. And Bill's going to come off the top of my head. And look, at this point, I'm in the dead cell. Which is terrible. Look, I'm asleep. What am I? Here? <laughs> oh man. You're, you're a dead fish in the middle I of the am. ring. Yeah. Not a fish out of water. Just the old. Uh, the old bass. There's Joe LaDuke coming through. Joe LaDuke hits the ring and he's clearing house. Nobody's coming in to face him. He's he's a big bad man. Oh yeah, Joe had some great feuds. French Canadian um, drew a lot of money in the Memphis territory over the years. Lots of money. And they have the ring surrounded, but uh, nobody wants to come in and and take on old Joe here. And you're dead. You are literally. Dad, here comes some more help, Dutch, and the guy I didn't know. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and there was a storyline going on between Laduke and um, Lawler. Yeah, and Dutch, and you know, coming out of this, Billy became my tag team partner. This was the early relationship between me and Billy's career. Oh, ah, okay. Then there, yeah, and then there's my grandfather, but also Eddie Marlin, promoter. Oh, nice. Eddie Marlin. Yes. Look at Joe, just pull me out like a rag and he's going to lift me up you, all yeah. 55, 60 pounds of me. And we're carrying the dead fish out. Yeah. You're just like a used washcloth and there's the end of the match there. All right. Well, listen, we have some fan questions. We'll run through those and then we'll wrap this up if that's okay. Sure. First one comes to us from our good buddy, coach Rosie. Uh, oh, we man. all, we all know him from Twitter. And he says, uh, what was your day like leading up to your first match? And what was your anxiety level? Zero anxiety. I didn't even, I still can't spell that word, but uh, no, I, I, you know, <laughs> um, no anxiety. I, I, I had, um, watched this basically my whole life and, and going into, did I have nerves? Yes. But I, I, to this day, if I've got to go out and perform, um, I, I, I get nerves. I think that's real healthy, but I had a comfort level. I've always had sort of a, uh, inner confidence that, uh, when you step on something that has to do with, um, athleticism that I, I, I could hold my own now in my early days, if I had to go cut a promo that, that would, that I would, uh, like, I don't yeah. say anxiety, anxiety, but that I would get nervous in, in sure. an uncomfortable way. But, uh, as far as before the first match, I was ready to go. I was so excited. I'm sure once you get hands on somebody, you're like, okay, now this is, now I'm comfortable. All the yep. noise stops. The, the, the conversations in your head are over and it's time to go. Yep. 
Ah, good stuff. All right, Aaron Mathis is up next. He said, do you remember how stiff Landell and Dundee were when you went from ref to wrestler? It looked like the last punch Dundee gave you was brutal. You just talked about it, but your comeback had the crowd going nuts until Bill landed that right. By the way, my dad said your dropkick was the best. <laughs> how about that? I like that guy's dad. Uh, but no, I tell you what, I just alluded to it. Bill and uh, Buddy, um, and they were basically i hate to use the word instructed but um they knew they got let me just say this they knew they had the complete green light from my father to lay it in and then some and i mm. knew that as well it's not like my father went behind my back and said hey these guys no it was very transparent guys my kid is not skilled this is brand new to it so if you got to uh lay it in uh, more than usual, do it. And I was cool with that. I understood it. There you go. Hey, listen, like you said earlier on, he was dead set in his mind. It wasn't going to be uh easy, easy street for, for his kid, because obviously people had, had seen that before in the business and he was made up in his mind. He wasn't going to let that happen with you. So good for him. All right. Uh, John Lindsay, he's the one who mentioned about uh, Tony Falk showing up in your vignette as the limo, limo driver driver. So that's pretty cool. Uh, that was kind of the statement that he had had. He said, it seems like old Frank Morrell had a part in them as well. Is that true? Did he? long time uh wrestler in the territory and also referee so yep uh and also hall of famer jacqueline uh was in the vignettes and uh and uh ronnie gossett rp lee so those vignettes as we're going to get into at the end of july on my world so um yep it's uh the old there territory you. days lots there you of go. characters all right. Up next, Jason Bayless. He said, was his dad talking about you retiring on national television in the same promo as announcing his debut? Always the plan. Who's who retired his, he just asked, was his dad retiring on national television in the same promo as announcing his debut? Always the plan. Was there, was there a, a promo that I'm, I'm assuming it would be you. It says, ask Jeff. So the, to, to set up the original angle, I was the referee, uh, you know, for all that, but um, nothing to do with any of that. Jerry Lawler had lost a, a loser leave town and that they did these kind of storylines back in the day to give Lawler a rest, uh, to basically put a reset to, you can't get heat on heels unless the top baby face is either hurt by them or away or whatever it may be. So Lawler was away at the time and they used this as a, um, as a way to uh bring lawler back but my dad had been retired for quite some time uh yeah. due to a, uh, an eye injury and and all that so the the question is a little bit inaccurate okay all right last question final one and this is kind of something we talked about a little bit earlier but matt guerra wants to know being the son of jerry jarrett were any other ring names discussed other than using jeff's real name and i'll say at any time in your career jeff you kept jeff jarrett your entire career. Yep. And that was, um, I say by design, but you know, I worked for my father and I worked in Japan and Texas and Puerto Rico, and I'd always gone by that name. So, um, going to the WWF in 93, uh, it was something that I was already quote unquote, a, a character, uh, using my real name. And then, you know, when Vince saw the name, thought about it, spelled it, read it off, uh, him and Bruce and myself and the vignettes and, you know, the spelling J E double F J A double R E double D. 
that was off and running. So never any consideration of going, uh, diverting from that. Well, Jeff, there you go. You survived this bonus episode. This was a lot of fun going back in time to where it all started for you. And we were able to track down your very first televised match. See you take some bumps, end up as a dead fish. Lots of fun storylines though. And, uh, I had a good time. I hope you did too. I had a blast year one of 35. So there you go. All those years ago, Tony Falk trying to break his losing streak and it never happened. Uh, that's, at the end of Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> that's that's right. Well, good stuff. Listen, ad free shows, fans and, and members. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we appreciate it. We look forward to more bonus content with Jeff coming down the road. Uh, but for today, that's going to wrap us up. Thank you all so much. And on behalf of Jeff Jarrett, this is Paul Bromwell thanking you for being a part of ad-free shows. Peace. Man, I'm so excited to talk to you about this next sponsor. It's Henson Shaving. And listen, even if they weren't paying me to talk about them, I would be talking about them because people at my office are sick of me showing them my razor. That's right. I keep one at the office. I've got everybody at the office using it. I'm talking men and women. And I have to admit, at first, I thought, well, this is just for dudes. But it turns out, man, I got the ladies in the office loving it, too. I cannot brag enough about Henson shaving. If you knew me in real life, I'd be bragging about this doggone thing. I've got one at the house. I've got one at the office. I've even got one in my travel kit. That's right. I got three of these dudes now. I've even got my barber using it. And think about that. Barbers use razors every day. They are sold on Henson shaving. Let me explain why I believe in this so passionately and why I think you got to meet Henson shaving. Henson Shaving is family owned, but they're an aerospace parts manufacturer. You hear me? These dudes have made stuff for the International Space Station and Mars Rover. So if they can, you know, work on stuff like that, they damn sure get that hair off your face, son. Razor blades are like diving boards. The longer the board, the more the wobble. The more the wobble, the more nicks and cuts and scrapes. See, I just learned that. A bad shave isn't a blade problem, it's an extension problem. But here's what Henson does. They use aerospace grade CNC machines. So that means their razors are just 0.0013 inches. That's less than the thickness of a human hair, y'all. That's crazy. That means a secure and stable blade that gives you a more vibration-free shave. But the razor also has built-in channels to evacuate hair and cream, which means it's almost impossible to clog it. Now, here's the thing I like about Henson shaving. These cats wanted the best razor, not the best razor business. Let me explain. There's nothing plastic on this. I mean, when you hold this in your hand, you're going to realize this is the last razor I'll ever buy. I mean, it feels like it's going to outlast me. Seriously. There's no plastic. By the way, there's no subscriptions and there's no proprietary blades. Don't you hate that? Down at the drugstore, they lock it up. Like, what am I buying? What? This is stupid. My grandfather didn't need this. There's no planned obsolescence with this razor. The Henson razor works with a standard dual edge blade. It's going to give you that old school shave, like pop, pop, but it's got all the benefits of new school tech. Let's just face it. He wasn't using razor blades cut by a CNC machine for aerospace. He wasn't using razors that are 0.0013 inches. See, it's not just a standard old school, double-sided razor. Yes, it is that, but the blades buddy, whoo. That's the secret sauce. And here's my favorite part. I, I have to admit, I vet every sponsor we get on this show. They send me one. I try it and I say, I like it. We'll do it. Or this isn't for us. That sort of thing. However, I didn't know how much this cost. Once I sold my dad on it, he said, okay, son, what's the code? 
I went over to the website, I punched in the code for him. And when I saw the price, my jaw dropped. I assumed it was much more expensive. And here's why the razor is going to last you a lifetime. In my opinion, I'm just telling you, when you hold it in your hand, you'll know what I'm talking about. This feels like the greatest razor you've ever held. But in addition to that, the blades are three to $5 a year. What? Three to $5 a year. Think about how much you spend for just a pack of those cartridges down at the drugstore. What is that? 15, 20, 30 bucks. Now, how often do you have to get that? We're talking three to $5 a year. So not only is Henson shaving better than what you've been doing, it's also cheaper. I love this. You will too. Check this out. Say no to subscriptions and say yes to a razor that will last you a lifetime. Visit hensonshaving.com slash my world to pick up the razor for you and use the code my world and you'll get two years worth of blades free with your razor. Just make sure to add them to your cart. That's a hundred free blades. When you head to H E N S O N S H A V I N G.com slash my world and use the promo code my world hensonshaving.com slash my world. Use the promo code my world. You will not regret it. Okay, boys and girls, I know that we're doing some, uh, some best ofs here and we're playing some bonus clips from adfreeshows.com, but I wanted to leave you a little nugget in here because it's been a theme on all of my wrestling podcasts since the beginning, but I think we've got an answer. How big's Batista's dick bigger with blue chew. That's how big it is. Come on now. Blue chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And the process is simple, folks. You sign up at bluechew.com, you consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, well, man, you'll receive your prescription within days. And here's the best part it's all done online. That means no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversation, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, they prepare and ship directly to your door, all in a discreet package but there won't be anything discreet about your package. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. Let's have some better sex, shall we? And right now we got a special deal for our listeners. Try blue chew for mother free. When you use our promo code, my world at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com And the promo code is my world to receive your first month doggone free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Bluechew for sponsoring today's podcast. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome in to a bonus episode of My World with Jeff Jarrett. I'm your host tonight, Cassio Kid, and I am joined by the 
Hall of Famer, the man with a thousand different alliances, Mr. Double J, Jeff Jarrett. How are you, sir? SEO, you know better than to introduce me nowadays. You have, can only do it one way. The oh. real Double J. The you, real. You you Double do business J. with that other phony, phony singer, phony podcaster, phony, 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 also known as my good friend, mm. Gerard James. Mm. Uh, also known as BGG. The roadie. <laughs> Gerard. Gerard. You're talking Sergeant James is also Sergeant James. Sergeant James. But we'll, we'll, we'll go. Uh, I guess we can take it, but I'm the real double chance. Buddy, how are you, man? Buddy, I am fine as a frog hair. And you know how fine a frog hair is? It's tiny. It's, I mean, it's fine. Not it's the only thing finer than my beard hair. So I, well, uh, either that or that beautiful purple necktie. Come on now. We are going to the symphony tonight. I I, you are this is all I heard. So I, I dressed appropriately. You got the guns out. You're ready to go. This shirt is kind of a takeoff off. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it is a music album, uh, takeoff. Do you get that? Well, I can't see what is it. Smash. Uh, hold on. Say, so do you get this? Jarrett killing calling. Oh, Jarrett calling the clash, the smash. The crash, the smash, and it's the clash. All right, here we go. Here we go. It's my music motif. I went out there and looked at my stack of uh, shirts that are podcast related and all that. And I said, <laughs> I got to get something that's a little bit music, but not just a guitar. So I went with the album cover, my man. <laughs> well, my man, we are going to watch an episode of Lonesome Pines tonight. <laughs> Oh, I wish of, Wayne Cowan was here tonight. You know who I, Wayne Cowan is? Who is Wayne Cowan for everybody? You don't know Wayne Cowan. Tell everybody who Wayne Cowan is. PKA, professionally known as Dirty Dutch Mantel. Oh, I didn't know his real name. <laughs> Man, by the way, I've only interacted with him probably three times, all at like a star cast. Okay. One of the funniest guys ever. He's, he, he, I bet y'all would hit it off. His sense of humor is just <laughs> I've known Dutch forever. I've worked with him. All, I mean, Puerto Rico, TNA, all kinds of stuff. But in my early formative years, I rode up and down the roads with him and learned a lot. And this particular night that we're going to talk about, it kind of linked us at an early, early age forever. We're the only, I'm going to go ahead and get it out. What we're about to watch. Come on. There are, I mean, I don't know how many matches have been recorded. Just think about in totality, Japan, Germany, all through uh, America, Mexico, North America. Wrestling was around before television, but when TV hit, it, 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 was, it took it to a whole nother level. And now pay-per-view and streaming and all this, this match that we're about to watch, Come on I, now. every match recorded is uh -huh. the only match that is in the Smithsonian Institute. Come on. This is it, folks. We're going to watch a little history. The Lonesome Pine specials in the Smithsonian. It's not Andre, uh, Andre Hogan. It's not Cena and whoever filled <laughs> the blank. It's not any other. I mean, think about that. Match filmed in Louisville, Kentucky at the Symphony. And I appreciate you all tidied up. You know, By, man. by the way, in, in case they don't know, Lonesome Pines... One of the greatest miniseries ever. Robert Duvall won the 1989 Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Miniseries that year. Is that what we're watching? Well, hell no. It's a PBS series called the Lonesome Pine Specials. Oh, that was Lonesome Dove. Sorry about that. My bad. Uh, 
I don't have any notes on this wrestling. Match. You're the best. You're the best. <laughs> Here's the deal. Last time I guest hosted my world with Jeff Jarrett, Conrad Thompson was out. You said you had no idea what your overall record is in wrestling. Is that correct? Correct. What's your overall record in Smithsonian matches? Uh, one and oh. Come on, baby. Come on, one and oh. I don't play around in prisons or symphonies, and so I'm undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Me and Dutch actually on Tales of the Territory, uh, the Vice show, we got to cutting up and all that, but we've wrestled each other in a prison, and we've also wrestled each other in a symphony in hundreds and hundreds of spot shows between Louisville, Kentucky, and Jackson, Mississippi, and west of Jonesboro and east of Knoxville. This We're going to watch this. It's about 15 minutes, and I got a lot of questions, as you can imagine. Before we get started, just a little bit, as we watch this, what's y'all's ages? What's your age, and what's his Gosh. age? Producer, Paul if you're Parker. listening, what year was this? Uh, what year did we record this? Um, I want to say we recorded about 88, 89. Okay. I'm 21 years old. 21? And, and how old is he? This took place apparently... 1989 at the Center for Forming Arts in Louisville, Kentucky, August I'm 22 2nd. years old, and Dutch has got to be late 30s at this time. Because okay, uh, in my mind, he's always been like 50. Yeah, and, but he's not, not him. He's a hell of an <laughs> athlete. In his day, he's, a, I mean, an incredible athlete. A lot of folks don't know that about the now, That hair just always made him look yeah, like well, he's an old know, dude. He's got a, you know, shag, shaggy carpet uh, on, on all four sides. But uh, <laughs> Uh, big old hairy boots, carry a bull. Shaggy carpet on <laughs> <laughs> He will whip your ass with a bull whip quicker than. Anyway, the Dutchman. Uh, so, yeah, I'm 22. He's late 30s. Um, just as a little setup here, uh, there was a gentleman in, in the territory, in the Tennessee territory. Um, his name was Mark Guillen. It's a French name, Guillen. Guillen. Love that cheese. Yeah. So. He uh, was in the tag team called the Beauty and the Beast, but Mark uh, always w was a little bit of a um, uh, intellect, if you will, and he's a percussionist, uh, studio percussion. Uh, I mean, he's not just a drummer. And there's, in, I'm in Nashville, you know, Conrad. There's yeah. probably a thousand comedians, but only a few good ones, or ten thousand yeah. comedians. Just that. Uh, so, if you're a studio musician, incredible. That means you, you are perfect timing, perfect sound, you know, every note you're in, everything is about it is perfect. Yes. That's Mark in percussion land. Wow. So, so yeah, he, he was a studio percussionist and he played in the symphony and, and I mean, that's how he, good he w was. And he played all kinds of music and all this kind of stuff, but he had a connection in this, um, gentleman who, uh, and it's been in the notes, but, uh, Walter Mays, I believe w was the conductor. And he had this thought process because he knew Mark was a wrestler. How do we kind of marry those worlds? And, Look, I wouldn't have privy to any of these conversations, but they had the conversations on wrestling is an art form. So I'm going to go down a little road here with Mikasio as a setup, just so, you know, 
Mark would say, Hey, what we do, it, obviously it's not true sport and, and, it, and it's, you know, it's, and it's got the entertainment a- aspect, but there's a lot of art to it because there's so much improv and you have to listen to the people and you have a cadence to it. And you take the people as people say in our industry, take them on a roller coaster ride and there's ups and downs, but there's a beginning of a match. And, and they were talking about a wrestling match and, and drawing the analogy to a, a piece of music. And, and, and just how it kind of married each other. So they came up the, with the idea of, hey, I wonder if we can have a match and I'll conduct this orchestra based on what they're doing in the ring. And I'll just bring it up and, and all that. So it was a unique concept when the first time we heard about it and my father, uh, Jerry Jarrett, you know, he's the one said, Hey, we've got this thing we're going to do in in Louisville. And, you know, and me and Dutch's mind was, okay, how much we getting paid? Yeah. Just that's kind of the mindset that we're going to do. That was one of my questions. Yeah. I mean, it was, so it was, it was a, it wasn't a great payoff, but yeah, I mean, those days it was a good payoff. It was guaranteed money. And, but we didn't know what we were getting into, but Hey, so you had to pull, take the ring and they set it down in the pit, set the ring up. And we got there early in the day. And you know, all the, the, the folks in the, in the symphony were wearing, you name it, you know, flip-flops like me and you uh, going to the beach, you know, just whatever kind of rack tag clothes. And, yeah. They're up there playing on stage and tuning their instruments and having all this kind of a good time with it and everything. And they're like, all right, we're going to rehearse. And they look at Dutch and because Dutch, the older, he's the lead guy. Hey, we all rehearsed the match for us. Dutch said, well, hell no, we ain't going to rehearse the damn match for you guys. <laughs> that isn't what we do. He said, well, can you kind of give us a little ebb and flow of what it is? Now, remember, this is 1989. This is not the age of social media where you you go out and talk about every move and why you did this and all that. So it was still a little bit of kayfabe in those days, but they wanted us to kind of go through it. And Dutch and me, really Dutch, kind of walked the conductor on. We're going to do a little slow stuff and get into this and the pacing and Walter kind of took it all in. And what we're about to watch is, is the finished product. But as far as being the true artists in this piece right here, me and Dutch did our thing as far as wrestling. And we had kind of an idea. We had the finish laid out. That's about it. But we'd work together each other. So what we did was somewhat spontaneous what they did was absolutely spontaneous and when you watch it back that kind of context when you drill right down to it then you go okay i can kind of see why they put this match in the smithsonian institute because it is a very unique setting that was done in a real can't believe i'm saying this but artistic manner if you will i i say this from a place of love as you know my love for wrestling um, did some people look at it as highbrow meets lowbrow as in oh, symphony my. and wrestling? Are you kidding? Can see how we can merge it together? Well, absolutely. But, but, you know, Louisville gardens, uh, every Tuesday night was the territory. We, we did our show at the Louisville gardens every Tuesday night. And, um, as my grandmother used to say and others, Shakespeare to the masses, um, you know, NFL and NBA, you know, different games are much more, you got to have more money to attend those events. The socioeconomic classes are are just upper class or upper middle class. Wrestling has always been middle to the masses. Now, sure, there's doctors and lawyers and closet wrestling fans, but for the most part, 
People that go to the symphony are in the highest taxpaying bracket. People that go into the wrestling, in generally speaking, are not so much. It's completely changed the dynamics. The demographics have radically changed through the years. But in the 80s, up till about the 80s, it was a different model. And so it was definitely a melding and a mashing of completely two different worlds. And me and Dutch, as performers, that was the thing that we were most concerned about, is that we're going to be wrestling and we're going to get zero response. <laughs> like, you're not going to understand this at all. Well, I won't spoil it, but and, and the audio isn't as good, but I can't say that they were uh, Road Warrior Pop, uh, you know, 82 noise, but they understood it, appreciated it, and got into it. It's, 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 it was fun to do, and here we are talking about it 40 years later, 35 years later. A lot of fun, but it's certainly a unique uh, set of circumstances, and, and shoot, I'm, I'm lucky to, be, to have been a part of it. Hey y'all, this is just a fact. We all know we sleep better when we're colder. That's the reason we want to crank down that AC. We want to kick on that ceiling fan. We want to get that blanket and get snugged up. We just sleep better when we're cooler and temperature controlled sleep repairs your muscles after a hard day's work and it improves your cognitive function. So you can start your day feeling sharp and alert, maybe confidence and energized. That's where sleep me comes in. Sleep Me is the new home for Chili Sleep. Same great sleep, but a brand new name. Sleep Me offers the coldest sleep systems available, and they create the environment that meets the body's natural need for lower core temperatures, promoting deeper, more restorative sleep. These sleep systems are water-based. They're temperature-controlled mattress pads that fit over your existing mattress to provide you your ideal sleep environment. They keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep, cold sleep. And they just launched a brand new Doc Pro sleep system with Hyper AI. That's right, AI in your sleep. Now you can experience the ultimate cooling power with the Doc Pro, but here's the deal. Pair it with the new Sleep Me app and you'll get real-time temperature adjustments based on your current sleep activity. It's all because of this brand new Hyper AI technology. This is the industry's first sleep tech that tracks and then optimizes your sleep temperature for you in real time. Folks, get the best sleep of your life with AI-driven technology. Head over right now to sleep.me forward slash my world to learn more and save 25% off the purchase of any new Doc Pro, Uller, or Cube sleep system. This offer is available exclusively for my world with Jeff Jarrett listeners, and it's only for a limited time. That's sleep, S-L-E-E-P dot M-E slash my world to take advantage of our exclusive discounts and wake up feeling refreshed every day. Sleep.me forward slash my world. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to. 
Be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen. Well, they got into it. Let's us get into it right now. If you're watching along, I don't know how you have it. It is on a couple websites. Oh, it is. YouTube. They've got some bits and pieces on YouTube. There's some daily motions. I know some of you tape traders might have it out there. Uh, if you want to watch along, I'm going to do a countdown just in case. And if not, I'm going to do the countdown just for our producer team here. Are you ready, Marcus? I'll take that as a yes. Coming down in three, two, one. Let's watch Jeff Jarrett at the action. And two wrestlers by composer Walter Mays, performed by J.T. Combs and Walter. the Wichita State Percussion Ensemble, and professional wrestling stars Jeff Jarrett and Dirty Dutch Mantell. Come on, baby. More American originals on the Lonesome Pine specials. Now, this is PBS. Lonesome PBS. And, and this is what they different pieces all around the country and well they got the drummer alone from the REO Speedwagon Quartet come on and uh, roll tight on that but you know the bass and there's the bell of the match starting about this time ring is rising up in the pit and it's kind of the mindset of the Roman gladiators and I'm just really relaying information that the Roman gladiators are, are the anticipation is building and they're about to lock horns you're not gonna. You're gonna see a 22-year-old Roman gladiator with long blonde hair that came out the simply irresistible. Or goes for a <laughs> Did you guys? Uh, did they tell you how much time you needed to fill? No. They just- they, we we kind of told them we'll kind of give you a, 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 around 12, 14, 15 minutes. And that's Dutch that wanted to just kind of feel. That was how it was done those days. It wasn't a TV deal that you had to uh, literally just say, hey, you know, uh, had to hit a 10 minute or 12 minutes. We'll do about 12, 15. So you guys have still not hit the ring yet. The ring's coming up out of the floor. It comes up out of it. I, I believe it's on the way up. Or, or maybe I've been a little off. Got the piano hitting. Yeah. You got Paula Poundstone on the timpani there. Huntsville's <laughs> alone. <laughs> You're building the anticipation, Dad. Gum oh, Okay, here we go. Get it, Paula. That ain't Paula. She stopped. That's Paula. Total respect. Your tux is nicer than yours. Gallagher, God rest his soul. Gallagher. Oh, there here we go. go. Who's the ref? Uh, Paul Neighbors. See how they responded just to, okay, here the talent is. It was a, for a symphony crowd, and we'd watched uh, the, a lot of the other uh, pieces earlier in the night. That was a hell of a reaction. That they well, kind that, of. That, that was one of my questions. So, they had a full symphony show before this, Jeff? During it. This was one of many. In the middle uh, of it. Yes, yes. Packed so, it's out. an all-symphony crowd. Yes. Is there, do you think there's any wrestling fans there? Zero. You had, no, zero. Because it wasn't advertised as far as okay, Jeff. Okay, that was a good question. Yeah. No, it's, it was, this was, uh, you know, the, I think in those days they had a monthly orchestra 
um, you know, whatever it may be. But um, and, and this is uh, again just to me much more fascinating today than it was back then. Uh, but uh, you can, can kind of hear the individuals in the crowd that I don't say got with it, but they were they were reacting to it very non-traditional for what a the audience how they would react. How big is this venue? A couple thousand? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Truly a theater seating. I'm sure you've done plenty of comedy club yeah. in the theater seating, but that's that was you know theater it's All seating. you can see is lights really. Oh yeah. That's obviously the stage we're looking at right there. So the people are behind the camera. Oh, like Dutch in the all black with the white furry boots here instead of his cowboy boots. Man. Big monster. He's a big monster. He wore those for a while. Good Looks look. good, man. Oh, like his his next look, the uh, sweatpants with the cowboy hat and boots over the sweatpants. And the fanny pack. That is, uh, that's my current look. <laughs> There you go. Okay. By the way, is this the best your hair has ever been? 89? Oh, it was. It, it looks it, good, man. It, it was probably a prime mullet fashion. I, had, I mean, it looks real good. I hadn't probably cut any length on it. I started in 86, a couple of years, maybe very little. Oh, uh, that's three years of growth? Yeah, probably. I'm sure, oh. I had, I'm sure I had the ends cut, but not a lot. So. Sure, you got to cut the dead ends off. Trim, of course, of course. But all kidding aside, you know, I still think it's pretty cool that the, the, uh, the conductor is literally conducting this off of kind of the, the story we're trying to tell with, you know, you didn't see many bumps, a couple of hip tosses, arm drags up top, but uh, now we're going to get into some action. Um, camera guys, is that your guys or is that no, the no, symphony no. guys? It's symphony guys. Wow. Well, they yeah. shot it really good for symphony oh, guys. Oh, no. And they brought in, and again, they kind of framed the Dutch talk with them. And, and look, it's not rocket science, but, but Dutch uh, had talked with the orchestra folks about, look, you know, you got, you don't really have a hard camera here. That's kind of your hard camera right yeah. there. But, just kind of walks in through the beautiful of this, that. And this is a, I believe that's up in the first balcony that they zoomed in with that camera. So they had some you know, two or three cameras. They did it. It was a, uh, I can tell you this, they didn't uh, scrimp on any. It's a TV special. So their their budget was, was up there for these days. Was it weird not hearing much of a crowd and hearing that music? It was very bizarre because yeah. this is the first time, you know, that, that me and Dutch are doing it. And and so not, not having a traditional audience to go, okay, either this is getting over or not. You just kind of had to go with it. But Walter, right. Walter, you know, at least said, don't worry about it. I'm going to conduct you guys. We're playing off you. So there wasn't necessarily a good match or a bad match in his eyes. He was playing off us. All right. Well, that was one of my questions. I watched this a couple times, and, um, you know, it, it, it said Walter Mays' War Games was the name of the song, and I wondered if they had planned it or, like, now that you're saying, they improv this as you were going. Well, the, a little the, bit. Uh, uh, yes, legit. Uh, um, Walter, 
was conducting this. And as yeah. he, I mean, when you go to see him, he's telling different folks, you know. You go uh, now. Yes. Because he knows what instruments they have and what sounds he's looking for. Piano's involved. So there's no horns here in case you missed the intro that said Wichita State Percussion Ensemble. Yep. So piano's the only thing here besides timpanis. Uh, I've seen some mason jars, which does match with wrestling. Uh, a lot of xylophone, a lot of drums. Oh, this guy. What's that? Is that, that? that the, like the top of a jug? Maybe a little. Uh... Oh yeah, there's a cardboard box with a with a uh, like a violin bow. Oh, you're getting stretched. Here's one of my favorite parts. This ref right here. You're in a whatever lock. What's this lock, Jeff? That's called an abdominal stretch. Abdominal stretch. Dutch keeps grabbing the ropes. You keep telling the ref, check the ropes. Check the ropes. Right now, Dutch is pulling my hair. Pulling my hair, so there's two different kinds of pull the hair and pull the ropes. This move right here owned me. See, he's got a... uh, You're telling him to check, and under the legs, it got him! Got him under the legs. How about that? That's a good ref. That's a hell of a ref, ain't it? See, that's getting low heat. They understood it. That was what it kind of gratified. They got the performance art of it. They they totally understood and got into, of course, you know, it was 88 and 90. WrestleMania had been all, you know, it was, it was, it had gone into the mainstream. So. I mean, you can hear them on the big slams. They ooh and ah every time. On everything, yes. And as, as we roll in toward. Uh, oh, this spot. Oh. Look at that young Jeff Jarrett. Marching up. Neck bridge, kid. Boom. Slow count, ref. Mm, back down. SEO. Oh, stone on the I don't think that broke 200 pounds. This uh, stage. What do you think? 190? 190, 195. Maybe inch and toward 200. Oh, well, we got horns. That is a little horn. I just... Can I be honest? There's some times here. Look, I'm. I'll catch some heat, but go ahead, tuba. There's some times this music gets away from us. Um, <laughs> I mean, it sounds like those sticky kids in the church nursery. You know what I mean? Where they're just wearing it, <laughs> just wearing out the xylophone. And that's a suffering pain <laughs> if there ever was. <laughs> Would you just say in the church? The nursery, the church, church nursery. nursery, yeah. Boy, you, you know, where you walk by and they're just, they're just going crazy. Roll tide. <laughs> <laughs> Paula Pound's I mean, this tube, I'm going to be out. Paula got Paula, you called him, Paula. Paula's bound in it. I mean, seriously, if you took me, you, Karen Jarrett, Conrad, Paul Bromwell, Palm Water Dave, Road Dog, and Corey Forster, and you let Matt Coon teach us for 37 seconds. We can play better music than this sometimes. Listen to that siren. That's, 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 oh, what a flat back bump that was. You missed yeah, that. You, it looked like you hurt your head. Well, that's a flat back bump. I can't believe you threw Corey in there. Corey, he couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't play a cymbal. This is what it sounded like when you hit him with the guitar. Just, bah, 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 bah. It's supposed Boom. to be chaos. Uh, oh, be see, chaos. the crowd the crowd popped hard for that. Yes. They knew. They, what a they slow could... count that was. Oh, you stop it. 
Hey, you're, I guess you're going to rate this a negative two stars, Mr. <laughs> Meltzer. But how many? Um, this is the comeback start. And all kidding aside, and I remember Dutch telling Walter that you know at the end of the heat, it was kind of that chaotic, like a church nursery that you just tried to call yeah. it. But it was, and, and then there's a little fire in the young baby face coming back, and the symphony was, you know, told to not blow their gasket, but to show some life. And you can hear it in the snares right there. Well, I was going to say, when I watched, I watched this a couple times today. At this point in the show, it's it's like they dialed it in, and I didn't know if they did it on purpose or not. But they they started hitting when you hit. They started, like you said, they started. Building this up a little bit. Well, like in any match. Oh, what? Whoa. Drill. That's a drill. That legit is a drill. Walter is a little off the beaten path in, in, in the traditional symphony, but that's what this whole piece was about. To be Here we go. Is that a jackhammer? Yep. I mean, very, very non-traditional. You got some lasers going on. Come on. Boom. Listen to him. Here's that right punch. Drop kick. Nope. Oh, Dutch hates backdrops. He must have called that. There you go. Oh, and here we go. Oh, you're and out. You're out. This is when I gotta ask this. Fire away. You're you're out of the you're out of the ring. Oh. That hurt. That's a stiff tip. That stiff. Yes. Wait, did Dutch wear stiff or he just accidentally hit it stiff? No, he he's he stuck. Oh. There so we go. He stole a bass drum. He's about to hit you with it. Now he's pummeling the bass drum player. Yeah, that's Marky. He's the one who put all this together. He was the connector of everything. That's Beauty and the Beast. That's Beast. Yes, it is. That wow. Is yes. And he, oh, so let him sit in because he knew what he was doing. First he knew what he was doing. And actually, I mean, he knew how to take bump. Look at that. Took a DDT. And he was up there legitimately playing the bass drum in this piece. That's awesome. Over him. Here we go. Oh. False finish. Yeah, I thought that was it. Boom. And this is kind of, we kept it chaotic, and Walter wanted a, a series of these to keep it going, which, which we did. And, and it's just kind of the, if you will, the finale. Uh, yeah. Here's the bass drum. It's got a hole in it outside. Over the top. <laughs> Get the Come on. Get ball. him, Jeff. Boom. Did he kick him? Yep. That's it. One, two, three. And did you hear the percussion piece put a count with the one, two, three? Yep. And listen to the crowd. And they didn't know the finish. Poundstone's bringing us home. Look at her. Boom. Incredible. How about that, man? A little different. Hey, you had free family? This might not have been your cup of tea, but I'll, I'll just say that um, it's just it's just a little different, and it uh, takes all kinds. Uh, maybe it's not the best cage match you've ever seen or last man standing, but the old symphony match is one for the ages. When, before today, when's the last time you watched this? <sighs> Tales of the Territory, they had a couple of clips of it to refresh, okay. and me and Dutch were like, I, you don't have to show us that again. No, no, no. Watch it. So I'd watch <laughs> a little bit of it again. Uh, what's crazy is is that every now and then on Twitter or or 
even TikTok, uh, Marcus, you need to get these couple of clips up this on TikTok. It it'll get traction, not TikTok, but Instagram in years past and Twitter really? years past. Yeah, little clips of it. Daily Motion is. Um, Gosh, years yeah, they ago. They got the full thing on there. Years ago, I don't know if it was Daily Motion, but down at TNA, uh, somehow, some way it popped up and there was a group of us that watched it. And uh yeah, it's just a it's a different piece. It really is. Um have you ever seen it at the Smithsonian? Nope. That'd be a pretty cool thing, wouldn't it? I hadn't been to the Smithsonian since I was about twelve years old, but really? maybe I should go when I'm back up in that parts. <laughs> That'd be super cool. At least get a picture in front of me. I mean, I mean, for real, we joked around, but this is the only wrestling match in the Smithsonian. That's Dutch big. often reminds me of that. He'll shoot me a out. <laughs> we made history together. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And the, uh, referee, and the footnote is my dad's first cousin. So he's in the family and he took the ring that day. So just that whole, the three of us that got to do this uh, on a unique day up in Louisville, Kentucky, just different. Walter Mays, did you keep in contact with him after that? Hey, me and Walter were one night stands. <laughs> one night stands, that was it. <laughs> we just played percussion together one night, and then he went on down the road. And uh, what's that song? Here I am, up on the stage. Up on the stage. Yes. <laughs> this is uh, kind of hilariously bizarre in its own way. Um, it's I, I said, you know, it got to. Like you see, it's interesting to hear you say that you mentioned to them, Hey, when we get the comeback going, kind of dial it in, build it up because they were kind of chaotic. And I thought which war games was worse, this or frog ball, 93, 94, 95 combined. <laughs> um, but they hey, dialed it in by the end. And I will say this, they, uh, Marcus cut out of it producer. And I don't know if it's on that reel, but when it was over, the audience stood up and. I call it the golf clap or the symphony clap. They, and it like traditional speaking, the, the orchestra, um, uh, everybody in the orchestra, they stood up, took their bow. We took our bow, the orchestra, you know, whatever, took another bow. I don't remember exactly. Walter did his bow and the people appreciated the whole art sense of it. Obviously it's, they don't, they didn't get to see that every month up there, but they were very appreciative of the piece and the people in the the orchestra came up to me in Dutch afterwards. And, you know, they were thanking us and we were thanking them. It was just, it was kind of a, you know, did we think it'd been the Smithsonian? No, but we kind of knew what we did was very unique and it's probably not going to happen again for some time. Oh, so they, okay. That's interesting. They, they didn't tell you, Hey, we're going to put this in the Smithsonian. You knew it was PBS and we're doing it at performing arts. But that's all you knew there. That's it. Yeah. Wow. And 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 look, we can Google it. But you know, the the the, the series was was highly successful in PBS World, and this episode was is just unique. It's really really unique. Do you remember afterwards? You, you thanked everybody on stage and left. Did they keep playing? Did they have more stuff? I you said they played before for sure. I, yeah. This might've been the last piece. Hard to follow that Cassio. I, I, well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, man, I think I wouldn't want to you to keep going that. after that. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, we did our stuff and the ring lowered back down. It, it was, I mean, while you were in it. Yeah. That, w- that was the end of the piece. And then it, they went back into the dressing room area. Yep. That's how, that, wow. That's it was. Yeah. It's cool. Super cool stuff, man. I appreciate you watching it. Cause I, I had never seen it. I've heard about it. It's on list. It's on, you know, sports, keto, strangest places they've ever had 
wrestling matches and all kinds of stuff. So it's, yeah, you were number two on strangest places. No way. They've ever had, uh, according to Sports Key, the number one was Conrad's backyard. Oh, <laughs> a cave. Okay. Rookie Dragon that. Wrestling in 2015 had one in a cave, but buddy, as far as I'm concerned, the symphony with Dutch Mantel and Double J—that's pretty little, strong. A little unique, yes, a little unique. Are you proud of it? I look today, yes. The producers of uh, Tales of the Territory, they had a fun time chatting with about it because it's so different. And nowadays, you know, there's three hours on Monday and two hours on Wednesday and shoot, two hours on Tuesday, two hours on Friday and NWA and Impact. I mean, there's in a week, there's 30 hours of content, 20 and all you want on YouTube. Uh, So to do something this unique and special as the days go by, I'm even more proud and know that I'm lucky. I'm grateful that I got to be a part of that. It's 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 a it's a cool little footnote for uh, the old two time Hall of Famer pal. It really it's is like a cool thing for like you said where it just pops up and you go, man, I I kind of forgot. I forgot. Kind of forgot we did that. Not in a bad way, but you just in a good way. So yep. much things going on. You're like, man, that that's a pretty cool deal to remember and and having the old feather in the cap. Well, for sure, you know, a lot of the matches live on peacock or wherever uh i think this match is going to stand the test of time because smithsonian is going to be around <laughs> that's what we got to get we got to get a new trend where everybody goes to the smithsonian and gets a picture in front of this picture. exhibit man i don't know if it's his exhibit it's just there we got to find it it's putting away in a closet <laughs> how about this if anybody goes to some smithsonian not that anybody watching this will but if they do <laughs> Ask him, say, hey, we need the wrestling match out. We need the Symphony of Destruction, baby. That's it, brother. Well, buddy, thanks for sitting down with me and watching this. This was super fun. Love it, man. Love it. Roll Tide. Um, you know who would have been funny doing this? I just, <laughs> uh, just think of me, you, and Corey would have done this tonight. Well, he hates you. I hate him, too. That's why I'm saying it's been good. I don't right. really like you, but, but that's. How about you got another bonus show? Uh, yep. you, you got to do those every all for ad free shows, I do those once a yeah, month. Well, I, yeah, I didn't mean to put it as a burden on you, but I get yes, to you will do those again. How about we find something me, you and Corey next month. Let's do it. I, is, we, that, okay. is that a deal? Let's do it. Including watching you hit him with a guitar. <laughs> Greatest guitar shots. We'll get my slap and we'll get his guitar shot in. I love it. And maybe something else, but at little least that bitch, little bitch moved and he knows it. <laughs> See, I'm, I promised I'm not gonna cuss this episode. Look at you, you got fired up right here at the end. Sure you did. Got fired up. Can I say something about no, should <laughs> buddy. Thank you, Double J. Marcus, thank you, man, for hooking us up with this. Thank you to all our top guys and top gals for uh subscribing to adfreeshows.com. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for y'all. This is for y'all. I love it. This was a super fun time. I'm Cassio. That's the real double J. That's J E double F J A double R E double T. That's double J Jeff chair. Peace my friend. Hey everybody. This is Dan Bespris host of fantasy NBA today. A daily fantasy basketball podcast. 
We cover every box score from every game every day. Plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.